0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022. Well, if you were to travel to Israel today, one of the places you would probably go on your tour is the Dead Sea. And obviously the Dead Sea is known for the attraction of you just being able to float. Uh, It's like you sit in the water and it's like you're on an inner tube. It's just there's no inner tube. But also what you might find of note of historical or even biblical significance along the shores of the Dead Sea are places like Masada and En Gedi. Uh, Masada is, is more famous for what happens in the, the Jewish rebellion and after the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, uh, a couple years later, there is uh, the, the final stand of the Jewish rebels there at this fortress that had been used by King Herod. They are right along the coast of the Dead Sea and you'll probably visit that today, but it was a place of refuge. And also, hopefully you'll take a hike up the canyon of En And you'll see in that spot an oasis, a place in a very hot, very dry land, a place where there are are streams and you might even find some greenery and uh, a place where there's also caves and and edges kind of in this canyon, a place where you could imagine someone hiding out while also having water and and other things available to them. And, And that gets us thinking of the story of David today, because David would have been in those parts Uh, taking refuge with his men. And that's what we read about today in 1 Samuel 23 and 24. And we're going to see the refuge that David found, the, the little refuges he found along the coast of the Dead Sea in the wilderness there. But then we will also look at Psalm 27 and 31 and see how David spoke of his ultimate refuge in the Lord. And so as we look at 1 Samuel 23 and uh, 24, you see in chapter 23, David saves this city of Keilah. And the unfortunate thing is after he saves the city, he inquires of the Lord to find out, are these people going to um, give me up to King Saul? And the answer is, yes, they will. So David leaves. You can imagine just a frustrating thing. Saul thinks, all right, I've got him. He's locked into a city. Uh, and then David, I just saved these people. They're going to give me up. That, that can't be the most encouraging thing. But notice um, what it says there at the end of verse 14. It says, and Saul sought David every day, but God did not give him into his hand. I love how it puts that. It's not, but Saul couldn't catch him. And it's not, but David kept getting away, it's, but God did not give him into his hand. Maybe one of the lesser known, but also beautiful, but God passages in the Bible. And so we see uh, David continually being delivered. uh, And then we see another instance where uh, people want to give David up. We see an instance where David's men are on one side of the mountain and Saul's men are on the other side of the mountain. And according to the providence of God, a messenger comes saying the Philistines are coming. Uh, And then it says at the end of the chapter, and David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of En Gedi. So David is out in the wilderness, finding refuge, finding strongholds in the places that he can find. And then chapter 24 tells the well-known incident where uh, Saul goes into a cave to use the bathroom and David and his men are hiding in the cave. And David's men, men say, this is your shot, David. This is your time. God has given your enemies into your hands, and David says, "No, I, I can't stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed." But then it becomes this scene where David is able to to show Saul, "Hey, I, I mean you no harm. I had the chance to kill you, and I didn't do it. Why are you pursuing me the way?" that you are. And even as he says, you know, may the Lord therefore be the judge and give sentence between me and you and see to it to please my, plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. And Saul seems to be, Uh, apologetic um, and even acknowledges, David, you're going to be king. Just be nice to my house. Don't don't kill off my family. And David swears to him, a promise that we will see eventually David keep. um, And he goes up to the stronghold and Saul goes home. And we know though, that's not the end of the story. And unfortunately, that's not the end of Saul's sin and Saul pursuing David. But we see there David taking refuge in the wilderness, and that gets us thinking about the Psalms that we will see today. Turn with me first to Psalm 31. And again, this one doesn't have all of the exact descriptions what some of the Psalms do at the beginning to make you sure, oh, this is when David was here. But look at some of the things that it says. I mean, just to start, in you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame in your righteousness, deliver me, incline your ear to me, rescue me speedily, be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. Right? There you see that sense of just, God, I need that rock of refuge. I need you, uh, to be my protection, um, incline your ear. He's asking God to to listen to his prayer, uh, even though he is on the run, even though his, his enemies are out to get him. And you see him giving this cry to God for help, but also you see him taking refuge in the Lord. And through all of this, there's just a confidence that exudes from David. I love verse 14, but I trust in you, O Lord, I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant and save me in your steadfast love. And then later in verse 19, he says, oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. So you see, in the midst of all that, he's taking refuge in God, but as he does, he has a confidence. He knows, God, you are my God. My times are in your hands. You've stored up goodness for those who fear you. He's trusting in God. And it says even in verse 21, this is another thing that connects it. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. Right? Remember when Saul and Keilah is like, oh, I've got him surrounded. He's locked himself up in a city. But nope, God rescues Him. And that's where you see the exhortation at the end: Be strong, let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. And that really connects this psalm with the Psalm that we'll the other Psalm that we read, Psalm 27, which ends very similarly, the end of Psalm 27: Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Or it begins: the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to have courage. I'm going to take heart because I know who my salvation is. I know what my refuge is. And you get a sense, you know, he stored up goodness for those who fear him. And even in this Psalm, Psalm 27, there's some beautiful verses of David seeking the Lord, saying that the one thing that he wants is to dwell in the house of the Lord and to gaze upon the beauty of, Of the Lord, or it's thinking of how God has said to him, Seek my face. And he says, Oh, your face, Lord, do I seek? He is seeking the face of God. So let that be an encouragement to us today. Whatever trials we may find ourselves in, we can take refuge in God. We've got a much better refuge than En Gedi could be because we have a refuge in the living God. He is our God. Our times are in his hands. So we don't need to be afraid. We can take courage. We can trust in him, and that should free us to seek his face instead of just seeking our own security. And even we saw there the sovereignty of God, but God is the one who delivered David out of the hand of Saul. And we see more of the sovereignty of God as we look at Matthew 26, 1 through 5, and 14 through 20, Mark 14, 1 and 2, and 10 through 17, and Luke 21, 35 through 22, 16. Now, Uh, As we read these, we we see some sad things, the leaders plotting to put Jesus to death, Judas becoming complicit in that by uh, betraying Jesus for a price. Uh, what, What a sad thing that is. But we also, in the midst of that, see Jesus preparing for the Last Supper. And there's some interesting things, right? He sends a couple of disciples on a secret mission, and it seems like some things are prearranged. And what's going on there? Well, I think it's another example of the providence of God and even the mastery of Jesus. The leaders want to kill him. Judas is now in on the deal, but Jesus wants to do the Passover with his disciples. So he's going to do it in a place where Judas doesn't know where it's going to be. Everything about his betrayal, everything about his arrest is going to end up going according exactly to Jesus's timetable. And that's one cool thing that we'll see as we go through this account, that even though Jesus is getting arrested, even though Jesus is getting beaten, even though Jesus is getting crucified, he is 100% in control of the situation. Our God is in control. We can trust him. And so I hope that encourages all of our hearts today and that we would look to God as our refuge. And as a result, we would be able to say, take courage to our hearts. Wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Or as it says in Psalm 31, be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.